On this episode of How'd You Get Here, we talk with Remax CEO Adam Contos. He runs one of the largest, most recognized brands in the world, and he is a very motivating guy. I hope you enjoy this episode. So, Adam, the CEO of Remax, like, how cool is that? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it's got to feel kind of surreal, right? Like, a little bit, yeah. To be like, wow, I'm I'm the CEO of a huge company. Yeah. <laughs> So cool. I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I, it's it's a blast. I mean, yeah. I love the people in it. It good people. The business is great. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, fantastic. I mean, just to be able to to change lives and help people. It's wonderful. It, you yeah. know, it's kind of that that fulfilling thing that we all want to experience every day. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, I want to hear a lot um I want to hear from you. Just I want to hear your story, kind of hear about how you grew up, you know, what your childhood was like because the, the goal of this show, right, is just to encourage people to say, hey, you know what? You're not so far from where you want to be, and you have what it takes within you to a- achieve the things you want. And so give us a little glimpse into, um, you know, your childhood, where you grew up, you know, kind of like what you were into and, you know, who you were when you were younger. All right. Uh, yeah, and, and you're right. It's I, I look back. Um, I actually grew up about, I don't know, five miles from here. So that's awesome. Where did you grow up? Isn't that weird? Just uh, you know, like south side of Cherry Creek Reservoir. There. Oh, so, okay. Where'd so, you go to high school? Cherry Creek. Did you really? Yeah. You were a Creeker. Yeah, dude. I went to Smoky Hill. Uh oh. I know. We oh, saw always like you know razz you guys at, like basketball games. Yeah, and stuff like that. That was a big rivalry. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I grew up not far from here. Um, my my dad worked for the federal government, and uh, my mom. Uh, was a, a household engineer, I guess you could say, yeah. you know, keeping everything together. Stay at home, mom. A, yep. That's, yeah. Uh, that's why you're so well adjusted. Really you know, lucky. you had that. <laughs> she was amazing. I mean, she's, she's still amazing. Yeah. So, um, older brother, he's probably, I don't know, a year and a half older than me. And then I have a younger sister who's nine years younger than me. Okay. So, um, grew up not far from here. I, my dad was in law enforcement working for the federal government. So okay. I always wanted to be a cop. Yeah. I, we would watch police shows. Uh, you know, just the different Hawaii Five O, right? You know, chipping or what was yeah, that? Chips, yeah, the chips. motorcycle guys yeah. in California. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, whatever police show was on TV, we'd we'd watch. Yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. So that's that's what I wanted to do yeah. when I grew up. I and I, I've always been a little entrepreneurial as well. My brother and I built a like a lawn service business oh, and nice. had a bunch of customers. You know, kind of the. What can we sell? Provide service yeah. for things like that. Around Shovel the snow, mow lawns. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Get out, get out, and make some money because nobody was going to give it to you. You got to go out and work for it. Yeah. So, um, did that. Uh, day after graduated high school, uh, joined the Marines. Really? Yeah. I didn't know this about you. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. So, did what is it? June third. I, I graduated high school. June fourth. I was on the bus. Really? So, had you been recruited before? Like they're yeah. coming to school, and then you're like, "Man, I want to do that." Well, my uncle was a marine, oh, so okay. I I thought he was kind of my hero, my dad's yeah. brother, artist. Uh, I mean, just a big strapping man, marine, yeah. big beard, you know, tough guy. Semperfy. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm like, I want to be like him, mm. and so I really needed it as well. So yeah. joined the Marines right out of high school. Were you a pretty rebellious kid or? No, I, mean, I was pretty straight laced, you know, I was straight laced. I was, I was low key. Yeah. Um, didn't really have a click of people that I hung out with just get through school and, um, and work while going to school. I worked yeah. at, I mean, 
hodgepodge of jobs, things like that. Like when I was 14, I worked uh, at Arapahoe and I-25. There was a, a restaurant there called Country Kitchen. So I washed dishes there. Uh, my parents would have to drop me off and pick me up at the end of the day. Show up at home smelling like pancakes and, <laughs> and bacon and eggs and things like that. Uh, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. And then um, got into, uh, I worked at a full service gas station. Okay. I pumped gas. Clean the windows, check the oil, check the tire pressure, things like that. That was fun. Learned about that. And so I'd show up at home smelling like a grease monkey. <laughs> and, and then, uh, you know, joined the Marines. Um, were, you, were you afraid? No. I mean, were you uh, – so was college kind of not on the, on the table? Were you like, ah, I really don't want to go to college. I want to be in the military. I, I wanted to go to college, and my parents said, hey, you need to go to college. Right. So – and my brother, being older than me, he was already in college. So they said, hey, you need to go do that. So I, I joined the reserves. Okay. I, I went to boot camp, came back, went to college a little bit, and okay. went, went back to different you know, school-type situations, active yeah. duty a little bit here and there. But um, I you know, just wanted to learn about law enforcement. So that, of course, go for criminal justice. There's really right. two things you can do with a criminal justice degree. You can join the FBI or you can go be an attorney. <laughs> so I, it really... I don't know. I wanted to be a police officer. So yeah. did that until I was old enough to go to a police academy. And I, I went through a police academy and then got my police commission. Um, I was with uh, Cherry Hills Police Department at the time. Okay. And then Douglas County Sheriff's Office hired me in 93. Wow. And so I, I was a street cop at that point. Yeah. So go out and, and it was fun. Go help people. That's, right. that's what you do. You show up and they have a problem. You figure out what it is. Or somebody else called because of their problem, yeah. and you help them. You figure out what the solution is to that. You, you go through and, and solve their problem. It's, business is the same way. People right. have a challenge. You mm. provide a solution to that challenge. Right. It just happens to be in law enforcement. You know, unfortunately, sometimes some of them end up going to jail. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's just kind of the the rules of the game, I guess. Right. So. Yeah. So when you were in the military, then kind of in and out of school and stuff like that, and then in the police academy, um, you know, essentially once you had gotten a job as a police officer, did you feel like you had made it or was it kind of, were you of the old school mentality of like, oh, I don't have this job for 25 years. I'm going to be police chief and then I'm going to retire. That's exactly how I felt. I thought <laughs> I want to be the sheriff someday. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you, you get it and you go, well, first of all, it's the funnest job in the world. I mean, you're, you're out in your police car. They yeah. give you a, you know, a, a badge and a gun, and they train the heck out of you to, to make the good decisions, obviously. Yeah. But you're out there making a difference, and you go, wow. And you get paid relatively well. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I thought, I'll just you know, kind of do this for my career. I'll work my way up, and at some point, I'll be the guy running the department. And, yeah. and that's kind of always what I looked at, is how can you maximize yourself? I didn't expect it overnight. I was uh, just a... Um, you know, regular patrolman. I, I worked in a drug task force, things like that for a few years. But mm. basically you look at it and go, how can I be the best doing what I'm doing? Mm. And I, I think some of that was instilled in the military. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't just settle, go and, and do everything you possibly can to be the best you can. And then I started working my way up through the sheriff's department. Mm. I made my way up to corporal, then sergeant, then I was a, a lieutenant after that. And it was it was great. I had... I had a few patrol shifts. I ran the SWAT team, and it was it was a good time. I had I think I had the best job because I could 
drive around and I had a bunch of sergeants that would take care of the stuff on the street and I would go to SWAT calls and it was just fun and you get to help people. So, so this was in the nineties that you did that. Yeah. Um, when, when did you, uh, were you around during like the Columbine stuff? Were you in the, I was there. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I, I experienced that, um, not obviously something you want to experience or something you want to, you know, ever see happen again. But that was one of the pivotal points in law enforcement where it changed how responses occurred to those situations, changed the tactics, the equipment, uh, and processes that, that law enforcement used in order to provide a safer environment for our society. And yeah. frankly, it's, you know, it happens all over the world. Right. Different societies respond to it differently and um, you know, regulate it differently, things like that. But the reality is now I, I think U.S. law enforcement is is some of the best at responding to that anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So you're living the dream. You're, yep. uh, you know, part of running all these things uh, with the sheriff department and kind of doing that. And at what point does that change? You know, what at what point does your life take a little bit of a, a turn? Well, I've I've always been entrepreneurial. I uh, I started an online police supply company in the nineties. Selling things on the internet in the 90s was a little more challenging <laughs> yeah. than it is now. <laughs> there was no eBay or... No. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy because, you know, you're asking somebody for a credit card number and they go, why would I give you my credit right. card? It's this internet <laughs> thing. And uh, so it, it had its challenges. I, mm-hmm. I stuck with it for a little while and thought, eh, you know, they're really more... Um, the, the juice is not worth the squeeze, I guess, at that <laughs> right. point. Yeah. So uh, I, I shut that down. And then uh, I started a security consulting company. So I was... So it was like, like a side hustle thing? Like yeah. where essentially you're working during the day and then on the side, you're doing the, another job, essentially. Yeah. yeah. It's Well, as a cop, you I mean, we worked four days a week. Right. So what do you do with the other three, right? You can only mow your lawn so many times. <laughs> so... Well, it looks good. Yeah. It, oh, my lawn <laughs> looked awesome. You know, we had a lot of days to do that. But... Uh, and, and you work at night. So... Right. What do you do during the day when you can't sleep? Hey, why not develop a side hustle? A lot of guys would sell real estate or uh, mortgages or build fences or decks or paint Mm -hmm. houses or or something like that. There's a lot of entrepreneurs in the public space. Firemen and police are very entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. because they have the time to do it. And frankly, they need something to get their heads out of the business that that they've been doing. So yeah. you've got to you've got to feel some other purpose as well and something self-fulfilling. So mine was security consulting. I um, had learned to be a, a counterterrorism instructor, uh, went to school for that, um, started looking at threat assessments, target hardening, and how to teach people how not to get hurt and killed while they're doing whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually taught at the police academy as well. I, I was a six-year police academy instructor. Oh, wow. So I was used to doing that. And I thought, I can make money doing this instead of getting paid 30 bucks an hour at the police academy. Right. So I started my own company and uh, got into teaching real estate agents how not to get hurt and killed doing their business. Mm. And that took off. Yeah. So that, that landed me kind of in the space. Wow. So you're, you're essentially working. You have your side hustle. At any point, did you want to just do your side hustle full time and kind of pursue that? Or you were essentially just enjoying everything you were doing and nothing felt too much like a burden. So you just kind of continued down that path. Right. I, I mean, I loved 
the side hustle, and I love my primary job. I mean, they're just both fantastic. Why right. do something you don't enjoy, right? Right, yeah. So, uh, and then I had an offer from Remax to, since I was doing so much of my side hustle with them, mm. uh, they said, hey, why don't you come work here full time? So I said, okay, I have to shut down law enforcement. I have to shut down the side hustle. I'll go do that. Okay. And it was a, a big risk. I took a, a, a massive reduction in the, the revenue coming in. Right. But, hey, you know, there's, you don't find opportunity without taking risks yeah. sometimes. So were you, was there a lot of internal debate or were you, was there a little fear making that leap, you know, kind of changing what you had been doing and, and going into to something that's a little bit, you know, foreign and, and kind of a different, I mean, I, I feel like it seems like that seems like a huge risk for you to say, all right, I'm going to, uh, an opportunity, you know, I, I'm, I'm all about like, Sometimes opportunities come our way, and it's our job just to walk through that door or, like, take that opportunity up. Because, you know, sometimes people allow opportunity by opportunity to pass them because of fear or, you know, worries. And so when that came, was that a difficult decision for you, or did you just have a good sense or feel about it? Like, yeah, I think, I think this is the right next step. Uh, I'm going to say both. I mean, every opportunity has risk. And if you never take a risk, you're never going to see change in your life. You may continue down the same path that you're doing. Maybe you work a little harder. You know, you, you leverage your, what you're doing a little bit more. But the reality is you got to take risks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they're calculated, but there's a possibility of failure. So, the, you know, yes, I, it was scary. I thought, I've got this great job. And people in a government job or people in a, a, a pension the you know pension type job where you can go all right I'm shooting for retirement if you don't get out of that you're fine you know you're you're going all right I'm going to retire at some point with whatever amount of pension I'm going to end up with but if you do get out of it you 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 get looked at a little bit weird by some of those that are in like, and they go are you an idiot yeah what are you, <laughs> like, why? Are you nuts yeah so like, I, why I, would you give that up yeah and I got that to yeah. an extent hmm. yeah I had some people go are you sure this is what's right for you? Now, the beauty of being a cop is you can go back and be a cop again if you leave on good terms. You, know, right. you never burn a bridge. Yeah. So um, granted, I couldn't go back and be a lieutenant again. I'd have to start over again at the bottom. But it, it was safe, relatively safe. But I didn't really – that wasn't an option that I was considering. I wasn't leaving to fail. Mm-hmm. I was leaving to go succeed. I thought, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go do the very best I can. You yeah. Know, I want to go to a company that I'm going to – you know. I wanted to be the sheriff there. I'm going to go to a company, and I'm going to be the very best that I can for that company. And where I end up, I end up. Hmm. So that's that's what I did when I left law enforcement and I went to Remax. Yeah, and started working my way through the company. Yeah, it's interesting because it's it's almost um, you know serendipitous as far as um, or, or not serendipitous, but I would say that you put yourself out there, right? And I'm assuming was it Remax. Like headquarters that hired you as a consultant, or how did you start working with them on the law enforcement side of things? Yes, yeah, so I was I was doing security consulting, teaching uh, a program that that Remax and I co developed okay. for real estate agent safety. In teaching that program, I did a thirty two city North American speaking tour. Okay, where I would travel around, I would I would speak on a, a public stage to a bunch mm-hmm. of real estate agents, and then I would go meet with the regions, meet with the brokerages, meet with the agents and say, okay, here's, you know, what questions can I answer? Let's talk yeah. about your business. The reality is you can't go in and change somebody's business and say, hey, do less business and you're going to be more safe. 
They want to know how to do more business and be more safe. So mm -hmm. I had to really understand the real estate business. I spent a great deal of time studying it, interviewing a lot of real estate agents and brokers saying, yeah. how can I make these people more effective, but also more safe? And mm -hmm. interestingly enough, the awareness, the decision-making, um, the ability to, to communicate with people appropriately and solve problems helps business. It's the same thing. It's just you're dealing with a safety situation instead of a business situation. So it worked out really well. I had, and as a result of that, I was basically doing, in addition to safety consulting, I was doing business consulting for them as well. So Remax was interested in me being a business consultant for them, dealing with the franchisees and the agents. Right. And that's what I started doing. Nice. So how did that initial relationship start? You know, uh, did you know somebody at Remax or did you have a program that was on the internet that someone found you and reached out or how did that? I, I had met the founder of Remax, Dave Linegar, before. Okay. So I knew somebody at Remax, yeah. but that's not the avenue that I took for right. this. I created value. I, I called them up and I said, hey, I see a challenge you're having. I mean, this is like the epitome of how to sell to somebody. Yeah. I see the challenge you're having. Is there something that I can help you with? Because I have a few ideas. And they go, yes. I said, mm. can I come talk to you about it? Yes. So I, I, and I had called Margaret Kelly, who was the president of Remax at the time. Mm. Um, fantastic person. I went and met with her and I presented to the executive team, hey, here's what I would do. And by the way, I've built a program. Here you go. Hmm. Would you like it? And I got a call back the next day from her and she says, yes, we want your program and we want you to come teach it for us. So we worked out a business deal on that and I consulted for them yeah. for a year, uh, doing that. But it was really you putting in that effort, the work, you know, coming up with the idea and saying, all right, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go pitch this idea essentially to this company. Yes. So I think that's, you know, uh, there's a lot to be said about that. You know, if, it, you know, a lot of times we have ideas and we have the what ifs or, oh, you know, I could do something like that. But until we act on them or until we put the hard work in and develop something, nothing ever comes of it, you know? And so I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool, you know, just to see, because, you know, you probably weren't ever thinking, oh, I'm going to be the CEO of Remax when you're, you know, consulting them. You're just thinking like, oh, okay, I really like what I do and I can help this, you know, segment out and, and, you know, be a part of, of what they're doing. And so, so that's, so that's awesome. So then you come on, you, you start doing, um, business development, franchise sales, and kind of working your way through that and, and building relationships and just doing your thing. Yeah, it was, it was more franchise consulting than sales. Okay. Uh, I didn't get into the sales part for several years, but it was going and helping the franchisee, mm -hmm. understanding their, their economic model, understanding how they gain business. And really, um, you know, from a consultative standpoint, helping them develop their business, be, be their confidant and, and be their, their friend. I mean, people want to be helped. And if you can help them really well, then, you know, they will want to do business with you. They, they, you build this trust, this transparency, this, uh, this relationship, and it just is fantastic. And that's really, you know, fundamentally what our, our business model is about is yeah. go help people build something bigger than, than it is now. And, you know, that, that's what entrepreneurialism is. Yeah. Did you have any um, mentors or anything like that when you were coming up that that you reached out to or connected with? Or yeah, I, I reached back out to I I learned from as many people as I could. I mean, you just yeah. you have to have 
people who don't have a thirst for learning never figure out who they can learn from. So, I mean, that's the first thing is you have to say, yes, I want to learn. And then you have to go to people and say, I want to learn from you. Um, I would love to get a little bit of your time. There's a way to approach a mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, Talked to Margaret for a while. You know, she's the one who brought me on. She became the CEO. Uh, I talked to Dave, the the co-founder of the company. He started mentoring me 14 years ago, mm. something like that, 15 years ago. And uh, you just, you look around and you just can't be afraid to ask. You, yeah. you see somebody doing something that you like or that you, you know, wow, this person's adding a great deal of value. I want to go ask them, how do you do that? Mm. And why do you do that? And and give me some pointers and some challenges and, and what are your failures and what are your successes, things like that. But just sitting there, a lot of people just kind of sit there and go, okay, who's going to come teach me? Mm. And that's that's not how you get better. Right. You got to be hungry for it. You got to go out and get it. Yeah. So yes, I, I did seek that out. But I also learned that it's not about what people give you. It's about what you give yourself. Mm. You have to become more. You know, Jim Rohn says, if, you know, it's it's not going and getting success, I guess, it's becoming successful. And you know, that's it's about growing yourself personally. Yeah. So you got to educate yourself constantly. You know, are you are you watching TV? Are you binge watching a little, you know, Netflix or whatever? <laughs> right. Or are you going out and you reading Harvard Business Review? Are you figuring out what the challenges are in your industry? Are you calling customers that are not your customers? Maybe there's somebody else's and saying, hey, if I was trying to get a customer like you, what would I need to do? You know, asking the right questions to people. And people will help you. They want to help you. They want to answer your questions. Yeah. But if you're not asking or you're not approaching, and that's part of accepting failure, you're going to get people saying, no, I don't want to talk to you. Okay, fine. Move on to the next one. You know, that one's, you know, water off the duck's back. You know, right. Just keep moving on. Yeah. So now you're working at Remax. You're, you're doing that. Um, you know, what... Were there ever things that you went through that you felt like, man, this this is challenging, but you just continue to kind of forge through or, you know, continue to pursue that? Or, I mean, I guess not even at Remax, but, you know, has there ever been a situation in your life where you hit something difficult and then because you pushed through it, it kind of helped you, it gave you the confidence, I guess, to kind of go to the next level? There have been many situations that you you know, everybody has challenges, be it your car breaks down or you have a relationship challenge with somebody. Um, I mean, I, I got divorced and that was challenging. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a great relationship with my first wife. Uh, we have a, a wonderful daughter together, but the reality is you, you have to try to make your way through that. And, mm. um, a lot of people sit back and go, uh, this is horrible. Um, and, I don't know what I'm going to do, but the, realistically, everything will pass at some point. You just have to have the fortitude to get through it and the positive attitude. And you can let it eat you up, or you can do your very best to stay motivated, keep your brain in the right place, keep your health and your body in the right place, mm -hmm. and you'll make your way through it. Um, and I, I learned by failing. I, I, you know, every now and then you get burned out doing what you're doing. Um, you have difficult challenges. When I was in law enforcement, you'd have difficult calls that would eat at you for a long time. Um, you know, different things happening. You see friends get hurt or killed. Uh, mm. It just, it's tough. And it's the same with life. You know, we all face challenges, 
it's not the challenge you face, it's how you face the challenge. You know, what are you doing to learn from it, to help people through it? Because if you help other people through it, you're helping yourself through it. And what do you do to move on from it? Everybody has problems. There's nobody who goes through and, you know, we, we see these people every now and then and they go, you know, you, you think, oh, wow, that person's so lucky. They don't have any problems. Just like wonderful unicorns and fairies come from the <laughs> sky and give them wonderful stuff. That's not the case right. with anybody. You just don't see their challenges because they're right. not wearing them on their, on their shoulders like a badge of honor or something like that. They're dealing with them and they're coming out and they're saying, how can I help you? Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's a big um, thing for me. I know you went, uh, you got your, your uh, MBA, right? Yes. Recently, like yeah. over the past few years. Was that difficult going back to school like as a four-year-old? Like, <laughs> Unbelievably. <laughs> but you, I, again, you know, it's one of those situations you look at and go, why am I doing this? And then, <laughs> and then, then you realize, wow, I'm getting a lot out of this. Right. And it, it's... Do you look at the challenge or you look at the opportunity? Yeah. It, okay, I'm going to look at the opportunity. And that's really in, in business, a life, things like that. You, you see people who are perpetually happy, and you see people, people who are perpetually frustrated, sad, upset, uh, challenged, things like that. The people that go, oh, nothing good ever happens to me. That's because you never try to make good stuff happen for you. Right. So you, you, you feed into these challenges instead of looking for the opportunity. Uh, how many people have been shot down in a business deal and they go, oh, this is horrible. I lost this big deal. And they go and sulk and they have some drinks and, and then they you know, eat a pie or, or whatever it is. <laughs> right. And they go, oh, I'm going to eat my feelings. But no, go and, go and put some positive stuff on in your head and your yeah. headphones and go to the gym and run 10 miles or, or go do some sit-ups or go for a walk. Take yeah. Go get with your dog and, and, you know, they give you never-ending love. But it's how you deal with the challenge yeah. is, is really the true test of, you know, where you're going to end up. Yeah. So when you uh, finally graduated, was that like a huge burden lifted off your shoulders that you felt like, nice, I have an MBA? <laughs> yeah. It's, you look at it and you go, all right, now what? Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and now what is, is, it's funny you think about that. Because you should not be, I mean, that's not the top of the mountain. Right. It's, you go, that's a process. Mm. And there, there are people who are in it for the process, and there are people in it for the results. I love the process. I love the, the chase, the catch. You know, it's like a dog that caught a car. Now what do you do? <laughs> right. Like, right? Yeah. Go get another car. Right. Go chase another car. Because you just caught this one. All right, check that box. Yeah. But... Um, it was it was a fantastic learning experience. We, you know, spent a couple thousand hours over a couple years going through this while doing a full time job. I was the uh, senior vice president of marketing and business development and chief operating officer while working on my MBA. Wow! And so you've you've got a that's a test not only of your study skills, which every entrepreneur has to have incredible time management skills, yeah. or or really time management is self management. How do you manage yourself from doing the things that waste time? Because we all have the same number of minutes in a day. Yeah. 1,440 minutes in a day. Hmm. you got to sleep some of those. You have to eat some of those. You have to spend time with your loved ones in some of those. And you probably have to have a job in some of those. So that leaves a certain amount of time that you can study, that you can learn, or you can be 
surfing social media. You can be wasting time on Netflix. You can be sitting in front of the TV mm. watching a ball game, um, you know, doing your Final Four stuff or wh- <laughs> whatever brackets. it is. Yeah. yeah, I do your brackets or your fantasy football, things like that. I mean, what are you trying to get out of life? Are you going to mm. go, when you're sitting there going, all right, I'm going to die today, do you go, I killed it in 2019 on my brackets. <laughs> I mean, is that what you're going to look back and do? Right. Or are you going to go, I enjoyed the heck out of the time with my family and my dog. Yeah. I mean, or I did something for people in my business that I never thought I could accomplish. Mm. I mean, there you go. It's, it's not, um, you know, a lot of people don't, don't look back and say, I accomplished stuff though. A lot of people look back and they regret the things they didn't do. Mm. And yeah. the things that they didn't do are the things that they accomplish if they do them, right? right? So, you know, you, you don't want to look back and go, I didn't spend enough time with my family. You want to look back and go, wow, I spent a lot of time with my family. Mm. So is it going to be, you know, I'm glad I did or I wish I had? Yeah. How do you, how do you balance all that, you know, for you personally, you know, have a wife and kids and, you know, you're running a company. Like, what do you do in your life that, gives you that space or do you try to have boundaries on certain things and, and be intentional? Yes. Um, I mean, first of all, yes, you have to have boundaries and you have to be intentional. You have to learn how to very nicely say no to people. Hmm. And it's, it's not that you're shooting them down. It's, it's that you're, you have other things that fit in that time that maximizes your presence on earth, you know, such as, Hey, do you want to go to the, you know, to the game or do you want to go golfing or do you want to, um, you know, I don't know, do whatever, go on a bike ride. Oh, I have, my kid is, has got a game that day, or, um, I want to spend that time with my wife or, um, you know, I went home last night and my dog was sitting at the door going, you haven't taken me for a walk in three weeks. <laughs> you know, it's what I, I look at it instead of occupying time. I look at it as occupying my heart and hmm. uh, because we're all emotional beings what is the right thing to do for mm. other people? And, and it may be, hey, yeah, let's go on a bike ride or, hey, I'll go hang out with my buddies, spend some time with them, but I'm also going to make sure that I fit that other thing in. So it might not be the amount of time, it's the quality of time. And that's, that's important for, you know, we've got all these things we need to balance. Right. Um, you know, our family, our faith, our health, our finances, our business, um, friends, all these different things. And you go, all right, what have I neglected last? And does that need to jump up in priority here? It's, it's awareness. Same thing in business. You go into business, you can find yourself doing things that are a waste of time. That's the reality. People show up for work. You know what they do? They get on their email. Right. E- email is not a good use of your time. It's a time suck. It is. It totally <laughs> is. I mean, whoever says, go in the office and the first thing you should do is dig, <laughs> put on the coffee and dig into your email, that doesn't work. Right. You know what you need to do? You need to go in the, the office. That is your highest productivity time of the day is as soon as you get there. Hmm. You're fired up and you haven't turned on your computer yet. So go in and do something productive. Call your customers. Go get new customers. Whatever it is, you're the most resilient first thing in the day. Hmm. Take advantage of it. It's the same thing. You're the most resilient with, you know, you get home and maybe you're, you've, you're burned out from the day of work or you worked really hard or if you're in a physical job or something like that, you're tired physically. But the reality is you got to hit the reset button 
and go smile at somebody, tell them you love them, hug them, spend some time with them, direct time, look at them in the face and say, okay, this is quality. And if you end up using the lion's share of your time as really quality time, okay, then you can have a little entertainment time. Then you can unwind and you know get ready for the next day. Hmm. But it's how do you use your time? It's about quality. Yeah. So take us on the journey um, from you're kind of rising through the ranks at Remax, and then you, you get the call or the email or the come to our office, we have to talk to you. <laughs> and you're like, okay. You know, like that journey from going from where you were to becoming CEO and, you know, what kind of stuff was going through your mind or, you know, did you have any fears or or anxieties about that at all? Sure. I mean, you always have fears and anxieties. And the these things just don't, you know, they don't happen with like the, the wave of a magic wand. There's, in business, there there should always be a succession plan and how that works. And typically the succession plan in a business involves multiple people. And those multiple people are trying to get to the same place. There's only one CEO in a company typically. Mm-hmm. And that that means that some people get it and some pe- or one person gets it and some people don't. Mm-hmm. So you 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 have to work with those other people in working your way to that. And that's that's a test of leadership. It's a test of human fabric. Instead of being me, 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 you have to be us, us, us. And understand that you may or may not end up there. I may not have ended up there. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I need to help all those other people as as best I can to be the very best that they can be. Um, and not expect any reciprocation in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's, you, anytime you go into a relationship or you're going to help somebody, it's a 100-0 relationship. You give 100%, expect zero in return. There's no 50-50 relationship. I don't right. know whoever came up with that. <laughs> you know, this is a 50-50 thing. No, it's not. It's a 100-0. We're right. both going to give 100%, and whatever happens, happens. Right. So you have to you have to put that whole shared experience aside. It is give everything you got. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we we went through several years of we're all helping each other, and we understand where our, our gaps are, where our weaknesses are. Obviously, mine was I didn't have an MBA. I'm gonna go get my MBA. Hmm. So, uh, you know, work on that. Um, do I know? Am I? How's my marketing prowess? Am I? Am I doing something with that? I oversaw marketing for a while, so it was. How can I learn the most about marketing possible? I want to be a marketing guru. Okay, mm-hmm. may not make it in three to five years, uh, like somebody would in fifteen to twenty, but gosh darn it, I'm gonna know as much as I can possibly fit in my head when it comes to that. Same thing with sales. How do you get better at sales? Go sell something. Right. You go out there and you fail. So I, I ran our business development department and, and worked with the sales team. And I went out and I sold franchises and said, hey, this is what we do. I want to be very, very good at it. Um, you know, same thing with running operations in the company. How do I get good at that? It's, that's what you have to look at these things. And, mm. and that's how you kind of work your way towards that. Um, while it was, um, you know, rewarding and, and personally gratifying and things like that, you get the call of, okay, we're going to make you the CEO, which is a, a meeting with the board. They kind of do an interview and things like that. Yeah. They say, okay, we've decided we're going to do this. It is now a, here's a load of bricks on your shoulders. And you go, whoa, okay. <laughs> I'm excited about doing it. Right. Challenge or opportunity, though. Decision. It's the same decision tree. 
This is a great opportunity, an opportunity for me to prove to them that they made the right decision. Hmm. And how do I do that? First thing is people. you got to impact the people in the organization. We're a people organization. We're not a a warehouse full of robots that are creating something. This is a building full of individuals that are helping people. We're people helping people helping people helping people. And that's really our business model. (laughs) You're the top of the the people helping people. Yeah, exactly. So how do we do the very best we can with that? And that starts with transparency, trust, um, you know, ethics and honesty, Mm -hmm. uh, helping people achieve their goals and get through their challenges and things like that. Hmm. So that's awesome. I don't know if I answered your question, but that's yeah, kind of... Yeah, I mean, I think that that kind of, you know, gets it answered. So what, are, what, you know, what are some things that have impacted you? Like, what are some ideas or philosophies that were shared with you or, you know, motivational talks or what, what, what are some ideas that stand out to you as far as um, that have made an impact, you know, in your life? So one of the one of the biggest things that's impacted me when it comes to um, business leadership is was was told to me uh, by the CEO of SAP Software, Bill McDermott. I was at a, a small mastermind group, and he was brought in to kind of do a little fireside chat with all of us. And I said, I want to be in your seat. What advice would you give me? And he said, there are two things you need to know to be a good business leader. The first one is to stay hungry, and the second one is to stay humble. Mm-hmm. He said, you're a person. You're not special. You're not anything different. Your job is to help people, but you have to stay hungry doing that. You have to constantly be looking for who can I help, you know, uh, both in the business and in society. You know, what, what is your, your corporate social responsibility platform? How do you do the very best for the community because without community, the business does not exist. So take care of your customers, take care of your community, take care of your employees. And you know what? That will all take care of your shareholders. Hmm. So um, it was stay humble and stay hungry. And that was a huge piece of advice to me. I, I think about it every day. And probably the other one was um, always be learning. Hmm. You know, if you haven't learned something today, what what have you accomplished? You know, you may have closed a deal or something like that, right. but, but did you get better? That's yeah. the question. It's, um, you know, Darren Hardy, who's, who's a, a great guy. I just went to a three-day seminar of his earlier this week uh, talking about business growth. Um, he's, not a, he's not a rah-rah guy. He's not going to stand on stage and have you high-five each other yeah, or rub Tony each other's Robbins back. Type. Yeah, <laughs> but he's going to tell you – Here's some ideas that if you implement these ideas, they will help you help people. Hmm. You know, marketing, sales, um, you know, hiring the right people, training them, establishing good leadership principles and accountability in your office or in your company and in your business. Uh, he, he talked a lot about those. And he's always had this hunger for learning. And I saw that and I thought, that guy's got something. He's been doing it for 20, 25 years, and he's just been fantastic at it. Okay. I'm going to try that. So, I mean, probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I started seeing that, but I've really reinforced that over the past five to eight years. Mm. And you can learn, you know, you look at getting an MBA, uh, every two to three years, you can have your own MBA. Yeah. You can have as much information as you would get going and getting an MBA if you just go look for it. Right. You look at podcasts. I mean, I got to do is pull up Google and type in, 
business improvement or self-improvement or time management or sales yeah. improvement, things like that. And you got more stuff than you can possibly consume in a day. Go sit on the bike at the gym or on the treadmill and get better. Yeah. So you don't have to listen to you know, the radio station driving down the, the highway going home at night. Put on a podcast. You know, yeah. You're listening to one right now. That's right. So, yeah, getting encouraged, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's very important to kind of, and I think when when you're educating yourself constantly, that it helps you stay hungry. You know, I, I find for myself, um, you know, because I, I love listening to audiobooks and, uh, you know, constantly consuming uh, information and content. But I find that when, I, when I'm doing that, it inspires me to go out and do something or try something different or, you know, pursue something new. And I think uh, that's important because when I'm just binge watching Netflix, I find myself not that motivated to, to, to grow or anything like that. You know, I, you kind of get lost into your, your little self bubble and, and, um, you know, don't spend any time, you know, improving or growing. And so, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's very important. Um, what about, um, do you have any great books or things like that, that, that you have loved, you know, so much that you, maybe you bought some and gave to, to people or friends or like that? Any great resources that you yeah, I'll, recommend? I will, I'll kind of work my way backwards. Okay. The, the book that I have, I have a few on my desk that I give out to certain people right now. The, the current book is called Willpower. Okay. Um, I'll think of the guy's name that wrote it here, but it's, there are a lot of books about willpower. This one's just called Willpower. Okay. And uh, Baumeister is his last name. Okay. So um, that book talks about the social psychology and the psychology of, of doing things. Why do people do what they do? Mm. And it's, it's fascinating when you start understanding the human brain, how we tick, why super achievers and super performers are that way. And it's, and you can, you can see that human beings are not different. You know, mm. you, you and I, you know, while we have our own personalities, we look different, whatever it is, we're still human beings. Right. We both have the same capabilities. Granted, I cannot sing or play a guitar or anything like that like you can. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Reality is I haven't even tried. So, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, we're all capable of doing amazing things. Yeah. So realistically, why do some do and why do some not do? Mm. So willpower is is a great a great way of looking at that. You know, they look at um, you know exercise and dieting all yeah. the way to um, you know the 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 people that put themselves through extremely torturous environments. Oh uh, yeah, I, I I saw like a documentary about a guy who. He either goes into extremely like hot saunas or something like that, yeah. or like freezing cold water. Like he'll, I, I think it's something like where he can lower his heart rate, like with his willpower, mental, you know, prowess, and go into normal water that would kill somebody because it's so cold. Then he can go into it and slow his heart rate down enough. It's it's pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, it's it's fascinating because you know, really when you when you look at uh, and um. I heard this from uh, a Navy SEAL friend of mine. I, I said, how do you do this? How do you do these things? He says, well, uh, you know, the, the reality is the, the human mind will quit before the human body does. Mm. He goes, I just go until my body quits instead of when my mind quits. Interesting, yeah. So it's, you know, there's, it's performance coaching, personal performance coaching. And 
and going out to accomplish more. You look at um, like when Usain Bolt won the Olympics, right. you know, the, the sprint, uh, he broke this massive world record. But you know what? The guy behind him broke the world record also, and the guy behind him broke the world record also. How can three <laughs> people break a world record in one race? Right. Know, why is that? You know why? Because they were trying to catch him. Yeah. So they, you know, the the one guy when he was uh, interviewed, they said, "Hey, you got second. He goes, "Ah, oh, I got second." They go, "Yeah, but you broke the world record." He goes, "Ah, oh, but I got second. And and they go, well, "Why? How did you break the world record though? You've never run that fast in your life." He goes, "I was just trying to keep up with Usain." So yeah. you know, you, you think about it, and you you say, "Where's where's the bar set for me?" Because as human beings, we will we will only try to get over the bar. Yeah. And if the bar is set really high, and maybe you don't quite get over it, but you overachieved where you were before, it's willpower. Yeah. You know, you didn't put this mental barrier in your head. The bar is the mental barrier. Right. So raise the bar is, is really what it boils down to. Yeah. And that's how these extreme performers achieve things. You know, you want to you learn how to speed read? Go learn how to speed read if you want to consume more books or buy them on Audible and put them in the car when you're driving right. down the road. I mean, you can read a book in three days. A, yeah. A 600-page a book in three days on Audible Yeah, by driving to and from work. Audible doesn't sponsor the show, but if hey. you want to sponsor the show, yeah. <laughs> we're taking sponsorships. There you go. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's very interesting. I think, um, you know, willpower is, is... I mean, it's just so true. I mean, I think... Um, you know, I think too. We were kind of talking off off the air about how you were saying, you know, your your biggest competitor is yourself. Right. You know, you're the person that you're trying to do better than is yourself. Right. The that your best yesterday is now your new bar to to do better than. You know. Exactly. Yeah. It, it was funny. Uh, you had asked me. Who's my biggest real estate competitor? Right, yeah. Who's Remax's competitor? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it's it's funny because you can you can look at it, and every business, every person can look at this and go, "Who's my biggest competitor?" And you know, it might be a coworker you're trying to get a job ahead of. It might be you know another business you're trying to beat out, whatever. But and you're absolutely right, Mark. The biggest competitor you have is yourself. You are your own limiting factor, hmm. and. I don't care where you're at in business, in society, in, in your, your human being. You know, if you want to be healthier, it's not your calendar that is your biggest competitor. Mm. It is not what you bought at the store and put in your refrigerator. It is yourself. It is your, your self-control to go right. and be better every day. Yeah, I heard someone recently, too, say that, you know, to think like that right so you know how does a healthy person think right how does a healthy person you know they think about okay what they're eating they think about the time they're going to go to the gym and to if we really want to make changes and differences that we have to start thinking like those people who are doing those things you know exactly and and changes and differences are interesting there's i'll give you another book here this is um you know i willpower is my latest book probably my best book is yeah. the compound effect. Mm. Uh, Darren Hardy wrote that. Okay. And what that has to do with is the little bitty changes you make every day adding up over a long period of time. So success and business and life, your relationships, things like that, they're not a sprint. They're not a one-time thing where you walk in and flick on the switch and go, done. They're a marathon, mm. a never-ending marathon. And you go, uh, it's to grind. 
The reality is that's the only way to win. Play yeah. the long game. Hmm. So it's it tortoise and a hare. The hare never wins, right? It's always a tortoise, you know, <laughs> coming across the finish line. The hare is sitting there having a, you know, having a carrot somewhere <laughs> under a tree, going, "He's never going to beat me." That's the that's the reality of life. Is everybody's in this? We're in an app society. We want instant gratification on everything. We want to be able to go boom. There it is, click and buy. Yeah. Instead of taking the long approach to everything, business is the same way. People are the same way. If you think, okay. I'm going to work on this relationship. I'm going to go and I'm going to smile at that person and tell them, you know, give them some personal recognition or, or mm-hmm. gratitude every single day. That's going to be way more powerful over the period of two to three years than it will be over a week. Yeah. If you just go and, sh- you know, shower them with gratitude for a week, they'll go, what, what happened? And then you're done after that week. It's the long game. Same with business. Yeah. It's value over time. So compound effect. That's compound effect. That's probably the number. Yeah, that's probably my number one favorite. And I I've read it like three yeah. or four times. I keep going back to it because it's I a love reminder. those kind of books. Yeah, where it's just I always read. Um, probably every year I try to read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yep. You know because it has a lot of those. I find myself reading it and getting inspired and coming up with ideas because I'm like, man, I really want money to work for me. I don't want to kind of push you, you know, out of your your comfort zone. Um, all right. Well, I want to get to know a little bit more about who Adam Contos is as far as interest. Do you have any hobbies? You know, do you, do you do anything that's that for yourself? I, I love the outdoors. Okay. You know, going on a hike, going on a walk. I have two German shepherds. Okay. So you like German shepherds? I love German shepherds. Okay. Yeah. I just, they're amazing the whole, creatures. Maybe the whole cop thing. Fed into that a little bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I mean, it's just a majestic yeah. animal. They're intelligent, um, super smart, super smart, super loving. I mean, I, mine are both. Uh, I have male and a female, Piper and Seymour. Nice, and uh, they're fifteen months old. Oh wow! So okay. they're, they're young. Had, have you had you had any dogs before that, or? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've had I've had a lot of German shepherds. Oh, okay. um, just to have passed away or whatever. Yep. And, and then were you without some for a little bit, and now you, you just got these little puppies? No, Gus was my last German Shepherd. He okay. passed away in November. We actually got Piper and Seymour. They were born November 29th. Okay. So a couple months after Gus passed. Yep. Um, and, you know, went through the puppy stage, trained the heck out of them so that they're they're respectable. Do you adhere to, like, the Caesar Milan, like, pst- you know, kind of t- training, or what do you what do you do? No, I, I have a good friend who is kind of the he's he's probably the number one canine handler dog uh, unit trainer in the world. Oh wow! He's trained eight thousand dog handler groups uh, in law enforcement, military, government stuff, things like that. And uh, so he helped create this litter of German shepherds, and uh, very close friend. I've known him for a couple decades. Yeah, and so we've been working together to to train the dogs. He he goes, I'm not training your dog. You're training your dog. I'm going to show you how to train your dog. So, nice. you know, kind of that um, don't do it for me, show right. me how to do it type <laughs> yeah. thing. But uh, so they're, they're, they're good dogs and, um, and, you know, with just lifelong relationship. Their sister is, is with him. Oh, okay. So every now and then they all get together and they oh, run nice. around and wrestle. But. Uh, and, and are they super loving, but then can they attack, you know, if someone comes to the door, you're like, you know, or... 
they <laughs> they make a lot of noise. Seymour's ninety five pounds now. Oh, okay. And he's got a big bark, and he's a big dog. It's just scary looking. Yeah, hundred yeah. pound. You know? But he's he's more like, hey, do you have a cookie? You know, it <laughs> right. just he just says it in this man child voice. <laughs> right. So it's uh, but they're they're super lovey. Um, instinctively, those dogs will will be protective, but um, and they're just you go. You could come walking in my house and sit on my floor, and they would climb all over you and give you kisses. Really? Yeah. But for some reason, they know when people are doing bad things. Mm. You know, we give off different scents. Uh, right. We act differently. They are masters of body language. And hmm. I, I, I wish I had the senses that my dogs have, <laughs> because then you could look at somebody and go, that person's up to no good. Right. Or, oh, that person is, they're... They're feeling down today. They're mm-hmm. hurting. Whatever you know, it's yep. you get these feelings about people, but dogs know those feelings because we give off different smells. We don't know. We can't right. detect them. Yeah, but they can tell whether or not you're embarrassed, you're scared, you're running from something, things like that. Interesting. And you go, how do they know? Well, they know. You know, yeah. they're intuitive. It's the whole. If my dog doesn't like you, I don't like you. <laughs> right. So, uh, so you're into dogs, German shepherds. You take yeah. them for hikes and walks, stuff yep. like that. Any other, like, to travel or? Uh, travel a lot. Um, for work? Yeah, mostly for work. But <laughs> Internationally. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I, I love to travel. I love to be at home, though, also. I lo- I, my family, I've got a great relationship with my wife and my kids. Nice. Uh, you know, I'll talk to my son every now and then. He goes to school in California. Uh, but my, my daughters are home. I just, I love to see them. We, we do a lot of teenage kid stuff, soccer, yeah. um, you know, plays. Uh, musicals, things like that. Ashley sings in the choir too. So nice. it's uh, we're we're still at a heavy kid involvement period of our life, right? And uh, we just we love to be around each other. And yeah. So I I like to work on that part of my life. You know, have great relationships with your family. Um, you know, have some very close friends. You can't be friends with everybody. You can yeah. be you can be acquaintances with a lot of people, but you can't be friends with everybody. So pick some friends and have a very close, tight relationship with them. And you know, treat them like their family. It's yeah. it's okay to love your friends. I mean, yeah. you, you know, to to go up and and hug your buddy and go, "Hey, man, I love you. I miss you." And they go, "Hey, me too." So I mean, it's and and as we get older, it's even more prevalent because you go, "Hey, remember when we were like thirty and we would go get a beer or something like that?" <laughs> right. And they go, "Yeah, wow, that was so long ago." <laughs> right. But um, yeah, I I've got a few friends that I hang out with. That's good. Uh, but. It's and then when I'm not doing any of those things, it's read a book, listen yeah. to a podcast. I I exercise every day. Get up at four thirty every morning. Four thirty. Yeah, that's a Darren Hardy schedule, huh? A little bit, <laughs> yeah. a little bit. But you know, uh, but you try to go to bed by ten or something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. exactly. Go to bed at a decent hour. Okay. Yeah, and um, get you know, d- disconnect from everything electronic. Yeah. Several hours do you, before. Like go to a gym, or do you like work out at home, like a I, home gym kind of thing? I could do, go to a gym. Oh, okay. Like yeah, it's twenty four hour fitness, or yeah, it's down uh, south of here. They're oh, okay. open twenty four hours. Oh, you nice. just got to beep in with your card, yeah. and there's nobody there, so you can go in and just really know, focus. And, yeah, yeah. Nobody bothers you. It's it's nice. Yeah. So um, I do that every day. Some days I'll go to a spin class. I've never ridden a road bike in my life, but I go sit on one in the <laughs> in the gym and. Pretend I'm riding up a hill or yeah, whatever. Right. It is. It's like push it. Yeah. Uh, with the whole waking up at four thirty thing, do you ever want to hit the snooze button? Like, how do you push through that that pain? Uh, there's a great book out there called Miracle Morning. Yeah. Have Al, you read that book? Hal Elrod. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And so I read his book and I was like, oh man, this sounds like 
especially with having young kids. My kids are 10 to 5 years old, and so it's so quiet that early in the morning. And there's been times where I've had to like fly somewhere so I had to get up super early to you know beat the airport on time, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's so nice and quiet, but I don't know if I have that the gumption within me to to get up at 4:30 every day." Let me ask you this. Have you ever traveled more than two or three time zones away? Uh, let me try to think. Yeah, I've been to Paris. Okay, there you go. Yeah. You, anybody who says they can't get up that early hasn't thought, okay, I go somewhere else and I get up that early. Hmm. So all you got to think about is I'm a couple time zones away. Pretend you're on the East Coast, okay? Yeah. So 4.30 here is 6.30 on the East Coast, right? Yeah. Would you get up at 6.30 on the East Coast? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. It's the same as getting up at 4.30 here. So there's really no reason not to get up whenever you want to get up. Yeah. And do you think about hitting the snooze button? Sure, you do. But you can think about hitting the snooze button, or you can just say to yourself, I got to get to the gym. Right. So does that, I mean, does the alarm go off, and then you're, you're like running shorts, tennis shoes, and you're out the door? Like you don't give yourself time to think no, about, I, so, so <laughs> oh, my bed's so warm and cozy. <laughs> so here's my morning. It's... <laughs> Alarm goes off and I get up. I, I do not hit the snooze button. Okay. Snooze button is, is no bueno. <laughs> right. That's not good, man. You're the man. CEO of a company. Come on. You can... Right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you don't become CEO hitting the snooze button. Yeah, you don't let the, <laughs> the snooze button take over your life. <laughs> so you, you get out of bed because I know, and I, I prepare the day before. Okay. okay? All my stuff is, I, my gym clothes are set up where okay. I need them to be, my, my protein shake and, and all the stuff I need to get out the door, my clothes for going to the office because okay. I'll go to the office from the gym. Okay. So... All that's set up. Everything is set up. I don't go to bed until I'm prepared for the next day. Okay. So preparation is is huge. Key, yeah. And then the alarm goes off. I know I have so many minutes to get certain things done. That's what I'm now focused on right. as a deadline. My yeah. deadline is I got to be out the door. It's 4.30. Right. I got to be out the door by 5.15. Right. Okay. Because so you want to be at work by like, what, 7.30, 8 o'clock or something like that? 7, 7.15. Okay. So... So I have 45 minutes to go let the dogs out and, and say hi to them. They get personal time, yep. um, as well as eat breakfast, have my uh, green shake. I, I listen to something called a Darren Daily every day. Okay. Uh, as soon as I wake up, first thing I do when I turn on my phone, I don't look at emails or text messages or a calendar or whatever. It's play on the Darren Daily. Five days a week, go to darrendaily.com. It's okay. worth it. Just okay. little personal improvement things. It's five minutes. And I'll sit there and I'll eat my yogurt and stuff. Yeah. And then it is 5.15 out the door. And typically my wife is up and She's to up go. too? Oh, yeah. Future business leader. What, did, does, what does she do? She's, she, she's, she's a, CEO of a company too? She's a, <laughs> she's a real estate agent. Oh, okay. Look at that. So, Remax? Yes. Okay. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Say. Good guess. <laughs> oh, but, that's funny. Yeah. So okay. She, so she's up. She's out. Yeah, she's out also. Maggie, our 15-year-old, She's up some of the time too. So you get a 15 year old up to go to the gym at 515. That's, yeah. that's a huge accomplishment. And then go work out. Uh, have to do an hour there. I have calorie goals. I want to hit between 800 and 1,000 calories, things like that. I wear a heart rate monitor. I measure everything. Yeah. If you don't measure it, you can't manage it. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then I'm, and by the way, I don't listen to music while I'm working out. It's podcasts. Okay. I'll, Educational stuff. Audiobooks. Yeah, I'll hit I'll get like Gary V. I'll okay. I'll listen to his in the morning. Yeah. I, I I listen to his quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I like the marketing ideas. I like to hear what's going on in different generations stuff yeah. like that. Um, entrepreneur stuff, audiobooks, 
whatever it is. I just got a new download of a whole bunch of Darren Hardy stuff, so I'll go back and yeah. redo that again. It's about repetition. Yeah. Same, you know, but it's also about implementation. So then I'll I take notes on my my phone. I record what my workout is on my phone. I write it down as I do an exercise. Yeah. And then I also any good ideas I have a quotes thing yeah. or a, a, a note and I'll write that down and I'll revisit it during the day to implement in my business. Yeah. Out the door to to the office, protein drink, whatever, hit the ground running. So boom. That's it. Look at that. That's yeah. awesome, dude. Yeah, every day. I, I, my, I'm, I'm working up to it. <laughs> Come on, Mark. <laughs> 4.30. Oh, is that inspired by the Miracle Morning, or is that something you'd been doing for a while? I've or? been doing it for quite a while. I, I read it's The like Miracle Morning. like you do the math of like, okay, I, I want to be at work by 7, 7.30, so that means I have to be up at this time to... Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I, when I read The Miracle Morning, I'm like, oh, first of all, how does he only work out for that long? It's like, what, <laughs> 10 minutes yeah, or something like exactly. that? But, um, but I thought, I could do the meditation. So yeah. it's after I work out, it's steam room for five to 10 minutes. Yeah, just kind of clear your mind. Meditate. Yeah. yeah. You know, shower up, get the heck out of there. Boom. That's awesome. Uh, what about the favorite foods? I mean, what's your favorite favorite food? I'm, I'll eat just about anything. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, my wife and I are on this Brussels sprouts kick right now. Roasted Brussels sprouts are delicious. I'll tell you, a, a week ago, I couldn't stand them. Really? Yeah. And she goes, hey, you got to try these. So she started making them a few times. And then we were, we were just traveling. Uh, we were out in San Diego for the Darren Hardy thing, and she saw them on the menu. She goes, "Let's order them." So we ordered them. Like, wow, these are fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think because we all grew up eating Brussels sprouts that our moms boiled, you know, and then just soaked in butter, and it was like mushy and disgusting. But I, I, I used to not like them either. But definitely lately, I'm loving the Brussels, and there's so much like health value to them. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, a, lot I, of, a lot of good stuff. I think I I have this belief that I'm screwing them up by mixing bacon and all sorts of other <laughs> stuff with them, but you know, I'll take it. It's, yeah, right. It's like a, a net. It nets out to be okay for you. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, at the end of the day. Yeah, but it's um. What is it? You and every time I end up going, oh, I don't like those. I think. You moron. You know, how how are you talking about these things saying, oh, you got to go do this. You got to get up at 430 and you go, I don't like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> right. So get over yourself and try it. Yeah, and right. I get, what is it? If you eat them like seven times, you like them after that? Yeah, something like that. I mean, I used to, I used to hate like mussels and clams and stuff like that when I was a kid. But it's interesting as I've gotten older, now I, I really enjoy those and like yeah. I like it. You know, but yeah. it wasn't until like my thirties that I started liking them. So, and your kids go, "What are you eating?" Yeah, exactly. It's like someday you'll understand. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so you're uh, marooned on an island, and you only can bring three CDs with you. What what albums do you take? Can they be audiobooks? <laughs> like, I mean, I guess they could be audiobooks. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Um, I'm going to go with a little bit of, uh, you know, Americana. Okay. You know, I, I kind of like Willie. Okay. I'd probably do a little... Uh, Willie Nelson? Yeah, a little Willie and Waylon together. Okay. You know, I don't know what the album, their greatest hits together or something yeah. like that. Um, you know, kind of kind of a little bit relaxing. Uh, I would I would take the, uh, the audio book of The Compound Effect with me. Okay, nice. Okay, you know, that'd be one of them. <laughs> um... And then maybe a little, uh, a little, 
little more, uh, be some journey probably. Okay, yeah. don't stop believing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, a little, little upbeat stuff. Uh, nice. That's awesome. That's so great. Uh, what about your first car? What was your first car? I'm always interested, you know, hear people. 76 Ford Granada. Dude. Yeah, four door. <laughs> it was this awful faded yellow kind of creamy color looking thing with a half soft top on it. Oh, it was, one uh, of those. Just, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> but it was, it was freedom, you know, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was it was get you around. <laughs> yeah. So, I think guzzled gas like nobody's business. It was, you know, this massive carbon footprint. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so great. Um, well, any parting words? Do you have any words for, um, you know, maybe any agents out there or, you know, people who are interested in furthering their career, their business, their, um, you know, entrepreneur ideas? Any any parting words for us? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll say the parting words that were the, the best for me, and that's, you know, stay humble and stay hungry. Hmm, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for giving up your time. I know uh, you're a busy man and you uh, you know have a lot of responsibilities. So I appreciate you being here and uh, wish you all the best and continued success. And um, you know, I just hope that you continue to go out there and, and continue to inspire people uh, as you already are, I know. And so, uh, yeah, thanks so much for, for being on the show. Thanks for having me here, Mark. All right.